Well, I'm glad you're here. We're going to have a good time. Uh, so we are in our new series. It's called Silver Lining Playbook. Here, here's why. And sometimes here's what life feels like. Like I'm happy and then I'm angry and then I'm, I'm happy again and I'm stressed and I'm like, I don't know what to do anymore. And then I come over here and like, woohoo, let's party. And like, oh. like this is, this is kind of life. And here's what we, wanted, we want you to know it, in the next four weeks, during the summer, when things are going crazy, kids are going everywhere, you're like, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? How am I going to take care of all this? Or maybe it's just a season of life that you're going through that has nothing to do with anything summer. It's financial. It's marriage. It's, it's spiritual. It's occupational. It's professional. Whatever it is, there's a silver lining. Let me just tell you, there's a silver lining in the midst of every one of your circumstances, trials, situations, and issues. There is a place, and we're going to help you discover that and begin to understand and learn how to, while this is going over here and, and culture is going this way, boy, there's a silver lining that God is right, trying to fo- get us to focus on. And the enemy of our soul wants us to be distracted by the things and the circumstances and the trials, but God has a plan. So I want you to know that uh, we are going to discover it. What does it mean to find silver lining? What does that mean? To find something good in the midst of any situation. Have you trained yourself to find something good in the midst of any situation? Well, we will know. <laughs> Let's talk about prayer just in case you haven't figured that out. Let's talk about prayer because uh, everything needs to be buried in prayer, start with prayer, begin with prayer, move forward with prayer, and we need to understand what God does through prayer. And, and I want to give you some text and some context through this Isaiah 61 text we're about to read. Uh, this is a, a messianic prophecy speaking about Jesus, foretelling about Jesus, who at this point would come, our point has come, and Jesus says this as he begins his ministry. You'll see it in the book of Luke as well. He recites what Isaiah says often and many times because it's prophesying about him. But he says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And and, and yes, while the spirit of the Lord God would come upon Isaiah, he would also come upon Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me. And this is what he's talking about. Remember, Jesus was baptized in water and then immediately baptized by the Holy Spirit. A dove did not descend upon Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit descending as, like a dove. You you good with me? All right. And so this is one of the ministries of Jesus as well. But then to preach good tidings to the poor, the good news, the good word, the word to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody been brokenhearted? You might be now. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Nobody's going to admit they're in bondage, but, and the opening, and the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. That they may be called trees, I'm sorry, sorry, uh, to comfort all who mourn, to console those. This is the reason. This is the reason of the five ministries of Jesus because we're all on track somewhere, to, to console, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. So many of us are oftentimes walking around in ashes and sackcloth, like, man, I don't know why, I'm just so, it, problems all the time, I don't know why this keeps happening to me, I don't know why I keep going through these things. Man, great, training ground, but he's here to give us, give us beauty for ashes, 
oil of joy for mourning, and not in the morning, oil for joy for your mourning, for your lamenting, for when it's, like it's just too much, and all I can do is lament. No, there's oil for joy for that. There's oil of joy that's already been provided, and you've already received it. Now you just partake of it because you're in Christ. That's why he's here. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called, some, some versions say oaks of righteousness, but that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And I'm telling you all through this, you're seeing the patterns of God. So I, I, I'm saved. I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord fully. The Lord has done some work in my heart. There's some, there's some development. There's some freedom. I've, I've, I'm no longer carrying just ashes all the time. I'm actually, I'm actually feeling revived a little bit. I'm feeling a little bit more joyful. But there still seems to be some hang-ups. There still needs, seems to be some issues. I, I'm not perfect, but I'm finding freedom. But God, and God is doing a work inside of me. And I'm growing, moving towards the Lord. And now, hear me, because this is what salvation looks like. Because of that, come on, they shall rebuild. I'm rebuilding the old ruins. I'm raising up former desolations. I'm repairing the ruined cities. Can you see it? I'm doing the work of the ministry because of what God is doing in my life because I chose to pursue him. I'm overcoming the ashes I'm starting to sip from the oil of joy, and I'm starting to worship. I'm starting to, to praise him because he's giving me, given me that garment of praise, therefore to use it for him and towards him instead of the heaviness that I'm likely to carry. Because there's generations that have gone before us, and there's desolations from the generations that have come up short, and there's generations that are going to come after us, and there's a gap that God has called us all to be in to fulfill, in his, fulfill purpose and to bring glory to his name. Amen. That's why we exist right now. And so in the midst of that, there's some things I have to deal with. There's some things that God is doing in my life. There's some perspective that has to be changed because I've got, I'm here to rebuild. I'm here to to raise up. I'm here to repair. In Isaiah 61, you see how God wants to, God wants us to be introduced to Jesus. This is all about Jesus. He wants us to find freedom. Being healed from our brokenheartedness is finding freedom. He wants us to connect to purpose. Because rebuilding is connecting to purpose so that we actually do something with others who want to make a difference, doing something that actually makes a difference in this world for eternity, not for self. And this is the plan of God. You'll see these four things all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. You'll see these four things, these four patterns, these four pieces of our life spiritual journey, our process of growth all throughout. But there's one phrase that I just can't come off of. Isaiah 61, 3 says, give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. And I'm telling you right now, do not settle for less because Jesus has paid a very high price to offer you things that belong to you and there's a lot to it and he's desiring that you pursue him so that you can receive everything that he has to offer. He paid a high price. 
for you. In every place I'm depressed, every place my soul is not doing well, every place I'm hurting, in every place where my emotions just feel diseased, where, where, for where trials just keep coming around and it seems like there's temptation of sin that just keeps cycling back, there's, he's given me the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. In all of those places, he's given me something. And notice, though, heaviness and the weight of life is just not circumstantial. There's some things that I can will my way through, some, some things that I can overcome on a decision level. But then there's some things that gotta be, have to be combined with a spiritual level. Because heaviness is spiritual. There's some spiritual things that take place that begin to, to cause me to feel heavy inside the, and a heaviness that I don't... I don't understand, and sometimes I can't even see anymore. And so there must be a different approach. There's got to be a, a com combination of spiritual with some will being applied as well. I've got to make some decisions. I'm still fully entrusting in Jesus, but there's still some heaviness. Here's what happens. Life starts to happen. Circumstances get a little heavy. And you're like, well, I can handle it. It's not that big of a deal right now. And then all of a sudden, another circumstance happens, and it gets a little heavier. I haven't dealt with that one. And then my thoughts and my, my mind and my weight start, is still struggling from that one. And, and then something else happens, get a little heavier, heavier, heavier. And then all of a sudden, I'm conditioned by a spirit of heaviness, and I don't even know I'm in bondage anymore. Now it's just, this is the way it is. It is what it is. This is a card. These are the hands I've been dealt now I've learned to settle for heaviness, and the enemy of my soul has been successful. But that's not what Jesus gave us. He gave us a garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness so that we can battle that spirit of heaviness. We oftentimes need some people to come around us and say, hey, bro, there's something heavy on you, and we need to listen. Praise the Lord. There's a spirit of heaviness. There's, there, there's conflict. There's war around. There's, there's obviously a plan of the enemy against the next generation. There's division and criticism everywhere. There's temptation all around. There's violence in the land. There's a spirit of heaviness that is conditioning us right where we are. There are some natural things that need to change, but it doesn't stop there. They're extremely spiritual too. And we often think, okay, God, and our prayers look like, well, just change everything. Just, just change everything around me so that I can live with, in peace with everyone and in a bed of roses. And God, yet nothing changes. That, that's oftentimes our prayer, right? I want everything to be circumstantial. But nothing changes. And, and then the doubt goes to, and here's where the, this is where the enemy works in, and that, that heaviness that you're carrying, the enemy works in and says, is God really real? Did God really say? Can God really do? And then you start to wonder, and then it starts to affect your personal life, areas of your personal life. Oh, I'm, I'm releasing, I'm, I'm unveiling the plan of the enemy against your soul. But he says, no, God says, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to plant you in the middle of a difficult situation. I'm going to nourish you. I'm going I'm to take care of you. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to get you to the place where you're willing to choose joy so that whenever I do a work in you, you will be a reflection of me in the lost world around you. This is the plan of God. He plants. He waters. He nourishes. He develops. He strengthens. 
so that you can be a shade, a covering, a resource for everyone else around you. But he starts with you. It's internal, not external. It's me first, not everything else first. And the big idea here is you got to choose it. There's some spiritual things that have to take place. There's some decisions that have to be made, but I have to choose it. You're not going to feel it at first because choices lead and feelings follow. Write that. Get get that tattooed across your chest. So so when you look in the mirror that morning, you're brushing your hair, ladies or men, if you have hair. In fact, get get it tattooed backwards so it makes sense in the mirror. Because my feel, I don't feel like it. Well, you never will. So you don't make the choice that it requires to overcome the thing that you're going through because your feelings are leading your choices. But according to the word, my choices lead and my feelings have to subordinate, have to come under because my choices are going to align with God's word. Whether I feel it or even agree with it or not, it's a choice. Guess what? Guess what? God's word doesn't change just because you decide you don't agree with it. You come in when you hit the one thing changes when you come into an encounter with God, and it's never God. Some of you, you don't know me. You just maybe you just met me, or you don't know much about me. But um, I'm actually from a little town, about an hour or so, hour and a half from here, and it's called uh, Sabine. I actually. It's called Liberty City. In fact, uh, it's called Sabine and Liberty City. Talk about identity crisis. Like this is, I had to flee town and I went 15 miles over to Kilgore just because I had to have a solidarity. I needed, I needed peace. I need, whew. No, but this little town is, I used to be able to ride my bike all over town. And, and if I got too far out of town, somebody would call. Now, Jackie called my mom over at the bank, the only bank in town. There's a four-way crossing. There's Mini Mart on one side. Caddy corner for that is the bank. That's all you got. You got a Dairy Queen on I-20 just outside of town. And now we have a taco shop out there. But, Jackie, your son's too far away. I saw him out by the interstate this morning. I think he's under the bridge. <laughs> I'm not, I'm in East Texas, not far from West Louisiana. What that means is I'm I'm a little bit redneck and and got some backwoods in me too. So what you need to know is you're not going to learn much today, but we're going to have a lot of fun. You're good? You're good? All right. So let's let's, let's talk about Paul. There's this guy I want to introduce you to. So his name is Apostle Paul. And you would think this guy never, he never had a reason to be happy. Like he... He been, he's imprisoned often, he's been shipwrecked, he had to swim to shore, he got to shore, started a fire, a snake jumped out of the fire, bit him on the arm. Like, his bad days are bad days. Like, you call yourself, man, I had a bad day, I just don't know what to do. No, no, you didn't have a shipwreck, you didn't have a snake jump out of a fire at you, you didn't get lashed 40 times minus one five times, this is Paul. Like the beatings that Jesus got, oh, Paul got that five times. Perspective? Oh, he got stoned. He got stoned, and I don't mean recreational. You're like, at least he got a little relief. No, he did not. Not. He got drugged out of town. You're like, I used to get drugged all the time. My mama drugged me all the way to church every Sunday. I woke up. No, not that. Like, he's been through it, but yet he says, I have the victory. 
He says, I've been pressed down on every side, but not destroyed. Like this guy has learned to find the silver lining in the midst of every situation, even in trial, especially in the middle of it. In every situation. And how does he do that? I'll tell you. He made some choices. He made choices of how he was going to interpret the situation, the situation he was going through and see what God was actually doing on the backside and he wasn't distracted by the circumstances. And I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't know today because the genius in Revelation is not unveiling something that you've never seen before that you have to figure out. No, I'm going to give you something that you probably already know, you just haven't made it a daily discipline to do yet. You good with that? So let's look at Corinthians. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, uh, 6.10. He says, I'm sorrowful yet, always rejoicing. I'm poor yet, making many rich, having nothing yet. I got everything. Boy, that's perspective. And he's really just a guy who decided to choose. So this month, I'm going to give you four decisions that if you'll choose to make these four decisions, no matter what you're going through or when you're going through it, if it is the summer, if it's a season, somebody say, what's well, just a season? Well, that season's been lasting four or five years. That's called a lifestyle, baby. <laughs> but if you'll make these four choices, I promise you, you'll find joy in the midst of any situation. You'll find a silver lining, and you'll start to understand what God is doing while this circumstance is taking place, and then you'll be able to grow in history, testimony, and relationship with God. Who doesn't want that? So the, the silver lining is going to be revealed right here today. And I want you to know that at the end of summer, because it's going to get so chaotic as it always does, sometimes it's, I just don't, have a schedule right now and that's the most for me that's chaos like I, I give me some details I want some lined up I, I've, I've got next week already planned out most of the month I'm three weeks out every time every month I'm three weeks out so I'm living in chaos if I don't have a plan most of the time is anybody with me is am I the only your kids are going everywhere there's nobody and there's no there's no school to send them to I can't dump them off on anybody I don't know what to do with these things I don't I don't even know if I like them anymore they're great when somebody else keeps them, but now they're in my house, and they're making a mess. And what is this sticky stuff on the floor when I walk through? Oh, my goodness. In the midst of all of that, you're going to just know there's vision. And August 6th through the 26th, we're going to have 21 days of prayer. Guess what? You're not the only ones that are living that life. There's a lot of people who are out traveling, and you should travel and rest and get, get some recovery. They're out traveling, but at the end of the summer, come September, this place is going to flood. And there are going to be a lot of people that are saying, Lord, give me some structure, give me some, something, a rhythm of life, and that's who we're praying for in those 21 days. Lord, help us, help us to minister your love to the people who are going to be coming in here. And I'm telling you right now, they're going to be coming in. Help us minister to them. We're praying for them. Help them to find a home. Help them to find relationships in a community so that they can be loved towards you, Christ. Because prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. So many times believers use, use, the, use prayer as a fire alarm. I don't know what to do. The extinguisher didn't work. Water is out. Pull the alarm. Here's what we do. I did all we can. Here's what I thought I should have done. This was my best plan. Here's my best ideas. I did all of that and it didn't work. I guess I better go pray. No. For believers as us, 
We go into prayer first. There's things that I don't know. I've got an idea, but God, what do you say? I'm going to take this into prayer. I'm going to find some peace that surpasses my understanding. And then from that, I'm going to, get, I'm going to take revelation and details, and then I'm going to go and do because that's what a believer does. You see the difference? Boy, this one, keep, plan B keeps me out of, out of trouble. My plan A puts me in trouble, leads me to plan B. All right. So the book of Philippians, let's talk about that. This is where Paul was writing. This is called a, a prison epistle. Epistle is a letter, a letter written from, this would be an apostle, Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit was the one speaking it through, and, the Holy, and Paul was pinning this letter. And so he's writing from a prison in Philippi. And let me just tell you, it's not like a, a prison you would know to understand. Or, or, this is a dungeon. This has been chiseled out in a cave somewhere. This is probably below ground with iron bars on top. Uh, this is going to be cold. It's going to be damp. It's going to be wet. He's probably malnourished. He's probably bleeding. He's pro- probably with some really rough folks. And he wanted to be preaching somewhere, but he got arrested instead. You kind of get the picture? This is where Paul is. And he's writing to the church of Philippi in Philippians. Philippians 4 says, rejoice. Once you've joiced, re-up because you're going to need it. And and, and then re, and then re, re, re re-up again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it, hey, in case you missed it, you're going to need to rejoice and that's going to be next week's message. I'm going to teach you how to rejoice. It's not like some rejoicing struggles going on in here. Next week, come back. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. So once you rejoice, re-up. And in the meantime, let your rejoicing be revealed through your gentleness in the midst of pain, trial, and struggle. How do you know I've been, how, how do I know you've been praying? How do you know I've been praying about a situation and a trial and a circumstance and a struggle I've been going through? How, how do you know? Well, according to this, it's because I'm moving through life with gentleness. I'm moving through it knowing that the Lord is at hand and he will take care of my issues and my struggles and my trials, my circumstances. He will take care of what burdens me because he's allowing things to develop me towards him. And when you outline this chapter, you'll find that there's these four things that prayer does. There's four things that prayer develops us and grows us to be able to walk out with gentleness because I'm not angry and hostile because of my situations and my trials and circumstances because I took it to the Lord rejoicing and in prayer I handed it over to him so I can walk in gentleness. You getting me now? Number one, prayer replaces worry. The silver lining here is when I pray, my worry is replaced. Literally, worry, and the root word of worry in the English definition context is, is, is to strangle. Like when I worry, I'm literally getting choked out by my issue, by my circumstance, by my worries. I'm, I'm getting choked out about the situation that I have no control of, but in my mind, I think I do. Uh, it's choking my ability to hear God and see God, to understand God in the situation. It's choking my ability to be gentle towards others. It's choking. You got it? It's choking. Philippians 4, 6 says, be, do, do not be anxious. Do not worry about anything. Be not anxious about anything. Like nothing, there's no room for it. He leaves no room. 
Well, what about nope? And then nope. Am I fine? Nope. Nope. Nothing. Be anxious about nothing. Because worry borrows from the future. There's emotions that I'm spending on worry today about things that may or may not happen in the future. And so I'm exhausting my energy to live today based on the things that may or may not happen. And now I'm wearing myself down over, I don't know, how many of the people know the things you have, the things you worry about, or three quarters of the thing you wear, they never come about. They never happen anyway. Here's what happens. I worry now, and I worry then when it actually does happen. Now I'm worrying twice, and now my emotions are taking a beating. Oh, that's a playground for the enemy of our soul. Or I worry now, it never happens, and now I'm worried in vain. And I wasted opportunity that was around me to grow and to be present. In Matthew 6, 27, he says, Jesus says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Not me. 634 says this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. And I tend to be playing with my kids or uh, watching a movie, Super Mario Brothers, what they like to watch right now, and eating popcorn, and we're hanging out. And the moment they're into the movie, I get out of the moment, and I go into my issues, the things I need to get taken care of, the things how I need to figure out or fix. And and my mind is distracted, and I'm no longer present with my kids who need me, desire my attention. And how many know I just need to be worrying about popcorn, and it is, is the bucket full? This, this, is, this is the start of it. This is how it happens. This is how you begin trapped. So what we worry about most reveals where we trust God the least. I'm worried about all this stuff. I begin to make it an idol because I'm not putting my attention on God who can take care of this thing over here. I don't know if I can trust you to take care of that, God, and so I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to spend emotional energy that really you want me to bring to you because you give me the, gar the garment of praise. But this spirit of heaviness is taking my attention. Is some. Number two, prayer relinquishes control and relies on God. Relinquishes control and relies on God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God, here's the situation. Here's my circumstance. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what came about. Lord, I know I'm not in charge. You are. I'm going to give you control over every situation. I don't want it anymore. I never can work it out well anyway. I'm going to give it to you. Here's the promise. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And by the way, by the way, how many, how many of you know you've made known, or sorry, that you've released a worry through prayer to God? Because you start to find this peace that surpasses understanding, and then he guards your mind and your heart. From the whispers of the enemy how many have been in a place where you're sitting there worrying about something and and all of a sudden the enemy's whispers start to bring all these hypotheses and these negative prophecies of oh here's how it could be we better watch out here's what's going to happen oh here's what they're going to do oh here's what here's what it is probably going to turn out to because blah 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 and all of a sudden you're all worked up in this other world and you don't even know where you're at because it wasn't handed over to god in prayer 
So there's no protection of Jesus Christ over my mind and my heart, and I have no understanding of how this is ever going to work out. But when I do, I don't know why. And everybody's looking at you like, I know what you're going through. How are you, how are you walking with so much peace? I don't know. I just know the Lord's going to take care of it. I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I just know I don't have time to worry about that. It's a distraction. I'm going to hand it over to God and see what he does. I'm going to grab peace in my mind and in my heart. And here's what happens when you do. You're able to transition these thoughts, and you're able to accept and receive the thoughts from the throne room. And all of a sudden, God gives you wisdom, revelation, and understanding. He brings you you to a place where now you can see what he's doing, the silver lining in the midst of that situation. And he'll give you the details on how to navigate life, and this is the journey with Christ. That's a better amen. There deserves a better amen than what you just gave. I promise you. Promise you. It can't be God's problem and my problem at the same time. So whose is it going to be? Romans 15, 13 says, now may the God of hope fill you with some joy. No, no, no. All joy, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing means to fully entrust yourself to Christ. In believing that you may abound in hope on your own by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I can't do that when I'm tied up in anxious and angry and worrying and confusing thoughts. So I've got to find a place of peace. Number three, prayer, uh, number three, prayer regulates thinking. Thinking. Got my East Texas thinking. Thinking. I wake up at night with cultural issues on my mind. I'll, I'll wake up with circumstances that are going on. I'll wake up with and thoughts of here's how I should handle this. Here's what we need to do. Here's the approach for this. And then all of a sudden, my spirit, the Holy Spirit just speaks to my spirit man and says, wait, but what about me? And all of a sudden, I start identifying, and I understand that God's allowing those things to come upon my mind so I can take them to him. I can trust him. Lord, you know what to do in this situation. You know how to handle this circumstance. You know what the outcome is. You've already got it all figured out. I don't, and so I go to him in prayer, and I'm laying, I'm relinquishing everything. I'm handing it over, and it's regulating how I think so I can get some sleep. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are just, or true, rather, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, because the ne- it's easy to focus on the negative reports, but what's the good report? Uh, if there is any virtue, excellence, is there anything that can be and should be from a higher perspective? And if there's anything praiseworthy, let these be the framework of your prayers and your thoughts, your meditations. I'm not going to allow the negativity to be, set up framework, set up, set up a place, set up strongholds and residence in my mind. Nope, I'm going to think about what is pure, what is right, what is praiseworthy, what is just, what can be, what you've done, who you are, who you say I am, your testimonies. I'm going to remind myself of those. And then through that lens of perspective, now we're going to handle a situation. So my soul wants to ruminate on problems 
and issues and worries, but I'm going to choose Colossians 3 to set my mind on things above, not on things on the earth. It's not about God coming down. It's about me going up. Like I'm seated in heavenly places. I've got I've to go to a place where he is in the heavenly places where he's already seated me. But I've got to fight through the chaos and the trial and the discouragement and the distractions so I can be in, be in those heavenly places where he is so that I can sit at his feet and I can listen to the plan that he's already got in action. So prayer replaces worry. Prayer relinquishes control and relies on God. Prayer regulates thinking. And prayer reveals contentment. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I learned the secret of being content in every situation. Now, anybody ever been through a situation? Been through a life? Everything I had built, man, I got it going on. It's all working. It's all hitting on all cylinders. I've got this. I've done this. Idol, my kingdom. Here's how I, I know it should be. And then it comes crashing down. You know what? It's okay. I'm going to work it out. God's going to work it out. I'm going to pursue him. I know what it is to be abased. I know what it is to be abound, and it doesn't matter. I know there's going to be seasons where it's up. I know there's going to be seasons where it's down. I know there's going to be high times. With God, I know there's going to be valleys, but I know with God, I can find contentment because no matter on the mountaintop or in the valley, he's got it all figured out. There's a big difference, let me tell you. I'm here to testify for that. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I know how to be content. My, my, my conditions and my circumstances, my issues and situations are not going to decide who I am. Nor are they going to decide how I respond to what's going on. They're not going to dictate and control me. No, I made choice. I'm making a choice. Psalms 23, 1 the Lord is my shepherd. Man, I've got the Lord. I know the Lord's doing something. I'm not going to get focused on the, the problems, the circumstances. I'm not going to get focused on that. I will not be distracted. I'm making a choice. He's my shepherd. When he's my shepherd, I have everything I want, everything I need. He's got it all figured out. It's my responsibility to see him and know that he's given me all that I need for this season, this situation, this circumstance that I'm going through. So I have to find him, pursue him, know him, do life with him so he can walk me through this. In Philippians, Philippians 4, 19, this is the whole center. This is the precipice. This is the pinnacle. This is what all of Philippians 4 is based on is a knowledge of an understanding of becoming, of having a firm foundation that no matter what you're going through, no matter what comes along, no matter what the situation, no, no matter if you're abased or you're abound, no matter what the circumstance at all, it's not about the situation, it's not about the external, because then my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Here's the key. When my value, my highest value is my, re my, my relationship with the Lord and my highest value is in his kingdom, those things are the most stable 
things that exist in all of the universe, and they never falter, they never fail, and they never will. So in my hope, my mind, and my heart is found in peace of how they're doing, Christ and his kingdom. They're doing really good, by the way. I can be seated in the heavenly places, and I understand that I'm not focused on the circumstance. I'm not focused on the situation. The silver lining is following Jesus through all of it and watch how he nourishes me because he's planted me there. He's watering me. He's nourishing me. He's nourishing me and he's giving me some things that I need to pursue him. I need to focus in on him. I need to be growing with him. There's some things that I need. I need to, he needs to fertilize me a little bit so I can bloom a little bit more in this area because he's called me to be a supernatural resource to everything that comes under the covering. This is the rhythm of Christ all the way through. Prayer doesn't move God towards us. Prayer moves us towards God. And when I'm letting go, I'm relinquishing, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing my worries, and I mean releasing all this stuff is no longer entangling me and I'm just getting in the presence of God. And I can hear so I can believe and it makes it easier to obey because he's always right. Can I pray for you? Most importantly, as you prepare your heart even, I know you're already hearing, so what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? In the midst of your trial, your doubts, your worries, your situation, your confusions, Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much. We invite you in this place to speak to us. And Father, we just thank you for always having a better plan and a bigger plan, always having more understanding than we have in our natural. Father, we pray for your voice to just penetrate our hearts and our minds. Lord, we hand over every issue that we came in, or worry that we came in, trial that we came in, circumstance, all the things that may never even take place, Lord, we hand those over to you right now. And we just receive your peace that surpasses all understanding. We ask that you guard our minds and our hearts from the work of the enemy and the whispers so we can fully engage in what it is that you're asking us to do here and now. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. and amen. Hey.